Our life is shorter than flowers. Then shall we mourn? No, we shall dance, plant gardens, dress in colors, and teach our children to make the world more beautiful because our life is shorter than flowers. I wanted to thank you all for the beautiful notes I've received during this retreat for the support and the loving kindness. Although I've had many friends actually who have died over the years, I didn't really know what the process of um, mourning would take with my father. And sometimes during this retreat, some of the unworked out and challenging parts of our relationship would come up. I'd feel overtaken by them. And then I would reach for some of your notes and read them. And they would bring joy into my heart. Perhaps the greatest joy of all has been knowing that we share the same struggles together. Knowing that because you are working so beautifully that I need to as well. Eric talked yesterday about compassion and needing to find the balance when working with suffering. Joy and cultivating joy is a wonderful way to bring balance into our lives. It's one of the traditional Buddhist practices, cultivating joy to bring balance into our lives, especially when it feels as though we are being overwhelmed with suffering, difficult emotions, or the challenges of living in a world that is so filled with violence and pain. It used to be, at least for me anyway, that in starting to acknowledge the deep pain that happened and was happening in our culture, as a, someone who grew up in a Jewish family, I grew up with lots of stories of the Holocaust Um, and perhaps even more so the stories of pogroms in Russia and the reason so many of the members of my family aren't alive. And it seemed in some way experiencing joy was dishonoring that. You know, it felt like with so much suffering, how could I allow myself to experience joy? It almost 
felt selfish. It felt like it was a way of denying the pain and suffering in the world. What a relief. (laughs) What a relief to find out that our capacity to be skillful, our capacity to live in a relationship of non-separation is also about our capacity to live with joy. That our capacity to hold the suffering and the pain both in our lives and in the lives around us depends on our capacity to experience joy. Because joy gives us a strength. Joy gives the heart and mind strength. It gives the heart and mind energy and it gives the heart and mind interest. It replenishes what sometimes feels like exhaustion. It replenishes that sense of feeling overwhelmed. It actually gives us the capacity to continue to open our hearts. So as we've talked about compassion as a invitation to live in a place of the quivering of the heart. So also we talk about joy and our capacity to experience joy and the blessings in our life. It is through joy that our hearts open as well. It is through our capacity to appreciate our blessings and our life that our hearts open and we can extend this in generosity, in sharing, and in love. Think for a moment, not only of the great difficulties and challenges that we have faced in our lives, but think also of the tremendous blessings that each one of us here has experienced. For some of us, it's the blessing of seeing, just being able to see. For some of us, it's the blessings of hearing. For some of us, it's the blessings of mobility. For some of us, it's the blessings of being able to sleep. For some of us, it's the blessings of being able to do taxes. Of being able to sing in tune. What a blessing. (laughs) Of gardening, planting flowers, and appreciating that. Of sports and the exhilaration of playing in team sports. Of living in cities which provide us such an array of cultural activities or of living in the country with the quietness that's there. Of being served food in this retreat, of having enough food, of shelter, of warmth. Each one of us here experiences probably so many blessings it would take us hours to recount them all if we really looked at them. 
When we take joy as our practice, when we take appreciation as our practice, it enables us to connect with the moment. It becomes part of the practice. Not only is the practice of appreciation or gratitude something that directly supports the quality of mindfulness in bringing us into the experience of the moment, but it supports the heart to open. And what happens when we feel overwhelmed with suffering is that the heart is actually closing. When we feel overwhelmed with suffering, in that contraction of the heart, we also feel guilty for having the blessings that we experience. Guilt for having the blessings that we have is not about wisdom and open-heartedness. Think for a moment. It's a place of contraction. It's a place of judgment. And in that place of contraction and judgment, it becomes very difficult to share from the heart. It actually becomes a state driven by a concept of feeling that we don't deserve what we have. And so when we give, it isn't a giving out of the heart. It's a giving out of a should, which increases the contraction. And so we keep building the state of contraction. You know, I used to wonder what it was about my, in my early Marxist-Leninist rousing revolutionary groups. <laughs> when I was a student in London, we were, we were very serious about the revolution. <laughs> I used to wonder, why was the experience so unpleasant? Why did, I <laughs> why did I come away from those meetings feeling so bad about myself, you know? And I, I just had such a strong desire to make things right, and I would all, always feel so wrong, you know? <laughs> And it was because we didn't allow ourselves to feel joy about our lives. And that actually the Buddha says that our lives are made up of the 10,000 joys and sorrows. It isn't just sorrows, it's joys as well. One of the teachers that was most inspiring to me as I began to challenge some of these notions about appreciation and gratitude was Thich Nhat Hanh, because he makes the practices of appreciation and gratitude a key practice. I don't know if you all know, but Thich Nhat Hanh is a Vietnamese Buddhist monk, and he left Vietnam, and he couldn't return because the government basically would kill him if he returned. And during the war in Vietnam, there was um, a, a, um, a real intentional wiping out of Buddhist monks and nuns because they were seen by both sides, the Americans and the Viet Cong, as helping the other side because they were doing social action, helping with food, doing um, 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 the kinds of, um, I don't want to say, works of social action, 
but they weren't aligned with any political group. And so Ty lost a lot of the community that he grew up with, a lot of family and a lot of friends. And when he was, when he was um, in Plum Village um, during some of the winter retreats where I was, He talked a lot about the plight of refugees and the fact that there were millions of refugees fighting persecution and getting on these boats, little boats, to try and get out of Vietnam and to Malaysia. And that pirates on the boats, pirates on larger boats would come and um, throw them overboard, steal them, rob them, murder them, extract whatever small belongings these refugees had. And he would tell us these stories. And then in the, in the next breath, he would talk about the beauty of the plum trees that were in the fields right by the meditation hall. And had we noticed the pink blossoms and just how delicate they were. In fact, one of the practices that we had was that we would do walking meditation together. And um, often all of us would go arm in arm. So we'd be nuns and monks and those of us who who were lay people would go arm in arm in this very slow walking meditation to the plum trees. And there, under the plum trees, Thai would be leading, leading these quite strange movements that we would all be copying. So there were all these monks and nuns kicking up their legs with these funny clogs and all these sort of brown ropes flapping about in the wind and when we would be doing these exercises and you know what it cultivated the most incredible joy and then we would come back and instead of returning to mindfulness of breath or to the plight of the refugees we would sing songs really beautiful lovely songs about the joys of flowers opening and the rain and the earth and the heavens we would go into lunch and the first 15 minutes would be silence. But before that, there would be this long dedication of appreciation for the blessings that we were all receiving so that we might live and open our hearts. And we gave thanks to the earth and the skies. And it actually, it was long. <laughs> it was great. It was long, you know. Impatience would sometimes come up. Okay, let's get on with it. <laughs> But over and over again, we were invited to focus on what was beautiful, on what was joyous, and on what gave us happiness. Cultivating joy in our lives. Concentration is one of the factors that helps to cultivate joy because it brings us in connection to the object and allows us to become absorbed in the experience of the object. In our lives, there are many, many times when we are doing things that actually could give us pleasure, but don't give us pleasure because we don't invite the quality of concentration. For example, eating chocolate cake. eating whatever our favorite food is, drinking whatever our favorite drink is. Tremendous joy can come if we really allow ourselves to stay connected to the object and to allow ourselves to become absorbed into the experience of that object. 
concentration in its fullness brings rapture, brings joy, brings interest into the experience. Over and over again, when we are feeling overwhelmed, stressed out, disconnected or contracted, just making the effort to connect to what's happening and focusing on the experience starts to bring about an opening and a spaciousness. Of course, concentration and mindfulness go hand in hand. Knowing what our experience is and connecting to the object. Knowing the experience brings a spaciousness of mind. Just knowing last night when I was going through some of the hell realms, just knowing that I was having the experience I was having started to cut it a little bit. And the more I kept bringing my mind back, knowing this is the experience, the more spaciousness came until I really had enough space to see, oh, this is one of the old patterns. This is one of my old patterns. I recognize this. This is something way, way from my past that hasn't really come up with this kind of intensity for years and years and years and years. Knowing the experience creates the spaciousness to disentangle so that we're open for joy. Concentration, mindfulness, effort. (laughs) effort is wonderful and effort is a totally necessary prerequisite for experiencing joy and happiness they just go hand in hand like this it's as though most of the time we were being taken by a river downstream and that when we realize what's going we have to make the effort to swim to the shore to get out of the stream of negative thoughts and contractedness. It is impossible to cultivate a joyous mind and heart without making the effort of disentangling from those places where we feel contraction. There is no experience, there is no experience, no matter what rationalization we might bring, no matter how bad the suffering, there is no experience that justifies contraction of the heart. There is no experience that justifies negativity that is wise or skillful or conducive to our happiness. Concentration mindfulness, effort, good friends. We've been talking in the small groups about good friends. And I shared with some of the small groups that um, Ananda, who was the big buddy of the Buddha and hung, ar- and hung around and um, helped the Buddha with all things, washing his feet, bringing him food, laying out his bed, was present for all the Buddha's Dharma talks because he was the Buddha's companion. And Ananda, having heard how many times the Buddha talked about Sangha as a refuge, went to the Buddha and said, you know, I hear you talking about Sangha as a refuge, so is, it as, is the Sangha as, uh, as half as important, or is it, does it make up half of the Dharma, the practice of liberation, or a third of the Dharma and practice of the liberation? And the Buddha said, no. 
And Ananda was really surprised. The Buddha said, it's the whole of the path. Sangha and having good friends is the whole of the path. Having good and wise friends becomes the condition for mindfulness, for faith, and for many of the qualities we talked about over this retreat. Having good friends brings about tremendous joy and tremendous open-heartedness. Lying in bed every night and going through all my blessings has sometimes been the only way that I've gone to sleep. One of the blessings that stands out over and over again is the blessing of having come to a spiritual practice, the blessing of having sangha, the blessing of having teachers, the blessing of having access to spiritual books. Contemplating, taking time to contemplate the blessings of your practice and the blessings of the Dharma is grounds for tremendous joy. If it feels like you can't contemplate the teachings, contemplating the teachers, contemplating teachers in your lives or the Buddha, and those qualities that those teachers or the Buddha have exemplified is the grounds for bringing great joy and happiness. Being easily contented. Instead of looking at what we don't have, looking at what we do have. There's a lovely poem by David Wyatt. Enough. These few words are enough. If not these words, this breath. If not this breath, just the sitting here. We have refused again and again until now, until now. Where is the list of things to not worship? It won't rain tonight. The stars just can't keep quiet. Pine cones beneath pine trees. And I'm not old enough to play baseball or football. I'm not eight yet. My mom told me when you start baseball, you aren't going to be able to run that fast because you had an operation. I told mom, I wouldn't need to run that fast. When I play baseball, I'll just hit them out of the park. (laughs) Then I'll be able to walk. Over and over again in this retreat, Eric and I have talked about the fact that each one of us here deserves infinite happiness, that each one of us here deserves infinite loving kindness. Each one of us here deserves joy, not just once, not just a little bit, but each one of us here actually deserves unending joy.
the good news is that we have the capacity to cultivate joy in our lives. We have the capacity to cultivate appreciation and gratitude. And that it is actually through these practices that our hearts open, that our hearts quiver in appreciation and understanding of suffering, and that we remain resilient in that understanding and connection. Have you ever noticed sometimes when you're crying, like really crying, and you're really present with it, right at the end you find yourself laughing? Have you noticed that? How much joy and sorrow come together so beautifully, that in the opening to sorrow comes joy, and that the other is true, in the opening to joy comes sorrow. They're they're so intertwined, both that capacity, We are not here just to feel the pain of the world. We are here also to feel the joy of the world. We're not here just to feel our suffering. We're here also to feel our joy. May each one of us open to the many, many blessings in our lives. to gratitude, to appreciation, to rapture, to joy. And in this way, may we become open-hearted, generous, and skillful. Thank you. There are these... There are these... um, Many names. Now, I didn't realize how many. (laughs) So let me ask you, do you feel like right now for probably five minutes it feels comfortable for me to read them or would you rather I just hold them and we all in a moment of silence acknowledge them? Hmm? Moment of silence. Moment of silence, yeah? Okay. For the many beings in my hands, those with us and those who've passed into different forms or realms, those who are sick, those in need, we offer our open-hearted joy. our love, and our presence. Thank you. We wanted to start with five minutes of connecting with our breath.
So see how you would like to do that. You can do it lying down if that feels um, comfortable for you.
The Dalai Lama, when asked about all the violence in the world, said, it is my experience that our essential essence is one of kindness, goodness, and love, and that it is only secondary characteristics that are the problems. Connecting with this intuition that lies inside of our hearts, that knows our essential nature is one of love, kindness, and goodness. Awakening this understanding through the phrases Eric and I will say, or if they don't work for you, using ones that you prefer beginning with forgiveness. May I forgive myself. May I allow myself to be a student of life, to still be learning and making mistakes. May I forgive myself for the places and ways I've lost it, hurt myself or others. The places I've repressed or shut down to. May I forgive myself. May I allow myself to be imperfect a beginner still on this path. May I forgive myself. If I can't right now, may I be able to forgive myself in the future? The Buddha said there was no one more deserving of happiness than ourselves. May I be happy. May I be free from all harm and danger. May I be free from all suffering. May I embrace myself with kindness. May I be healthy. May my potential for infinite loving-kindness manifest and radiate through my being, healing all that needs to heal.
extending these wishes, if you would like, to include those who are special to you. As I have wished myself these wishes for happiness, so to you, dear one or dear ones, I extend my heart. May you be happy. May you too be free always from all harm and danger. May you be free from all suffering and hardship. May you live filled with love and joy. May you be healthy. Extending these wishes to touch all life everywhere, the hills, the grasses and trees and plants, the little worms and critters in the soil and the big ones, those in the air and in the waters. dark-skinned beings and light, young and old, allowing your heart to extend out in all directions, in wishes of happiness. May all beings everywhere be happy. May all beings everywhere be safe and protected from harm and danger. May all beings everywhere live with ease and well-being. May all beings everywhere be free. moving out in all directions to all realms. It is also traditional to share the merit of the practice with those that enabled this retreat to happen, to the managers to the cooks, to those that directed our cars to parking places, the caretakers, and all those that contributed in seen and unseen ways so that we were able to be here.
Finally, I just wanted to acknowledge that Eric and I are here because we have teachers and that we're part of a lineage. And I wanted to acknowledge our teachers, Ruth and Joseph and Sharon and Michelle and the many others, actually, and their teachers and their teachers. May each one of us here continue to build and to make alive the lineage of the Dharma. Thank you. This talk was given by Arena Weiss Minute Spirit Rock Meditation Center on April 11, 1999. It is an offering of the Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.